What's up, Dr. J? Oh, Nathan's earbud just fell out. That's Sorry. okay. It's life. What's up, buddy? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm delighted. Uh, today's a good day. It's a special day. It's a special episode. I'm Jonathan Carroll. I'm Nathan Morris. This is You'll Die Trying, and we're joined uh, by a very special guest. Nathan, I'll let you do the intro. I have the privilege. Dr. Carroll has the privilege. We're talking with Miss Fallon. Fallon, say hello. Hi. How are you guys? Doing awesome. I don't know if you remember me, Fallon, but before we even, I want to paint two pictures for everyone listening. Okay, so Fallon <laughs> is in, are you in Minneapolis right now? I am, yes. Yeah, she's in Minneapolis. We're in the studio in Owensboro, Kentucky. Dr. Carol and myself's faces are so close because we have <laughs> iPod, I'm sorry, iPhone earbuds in listening to Fallon talk to us on the phone while she talks in her mic, while we talk in our mics in Owensboro, Kentucky. And the beauty of technology is this that we're going to have this a, awesome episode. It's a brave new world. This is a brave, is. brave new world. It's that is the first picture I want to paint. Six inches away from one another. I'm sorry. I love you though. Yeah. <laughs> the second picture, I'm putting you on the spot, Fallon, and yeah. answer this very honestly. Do you remember 2007 to 2009 Nathan Morris? Uh, I, you know, I honestly, like, it's one of those things where I feel like I do, but I, I'll be honest, I'm not great with it because I find that I forget the majority of everything. I'm getting really bad with my memory. I don't, people ask me to be friends with them on Facebook all the time that I went to high school with and I don't remember it. I only had 35 people in my graduating class. So I'm getting worse and worse with time. So I know your name, but I'm like, <laughs> did we go to, I'm like, 2007, I'm out of college at that point. No, this so, is awesome. Yeah. I love the answer. Okay. Okay, yeah. So uh, Nathan Morris, I'm talking in third person, the musician. <laughs> uh, yeah. Would, well, I thought you did music. Okay, that makes sense. Absolutely. And we're talking, I would send, I was like, come on, Fallon, play this song, play this song, play this song. So that's how I knew you uh, gotcha. first. Uh, but then as I started to get to know you, of course, by radio, I started to really appreciate your voice and what you brought to the table. So fast forward to 2019, I have a mm -hmm. beer in my right hand. I'm swinging my boys <laughs> in my left hand out back and I'm scrolling through Facebook because we're friends on Facebook. And yeah. uh, you have uh, just posted a picture of a Weebly. Is this correct? A what the uh, the award thing? Yes. Oh, Webby. Yes. Webby. That's what I meant to say. Sorry. Uh, oh, you're fine. And and then I see this podcast called Heartbroken, mm -hmm. and I click on it again. I'm pushing the kids in the left hand. Uh, we have a play set, and I'm I'm listening to this podcast. And um, by the way, I'm I'm really. Um, impressed by and and I don't want to say entertained but for lack of a better word you know listening to these kind of gut-wrenching stories so to speak you know yeah um, yeah and so I get to I get to really dive into what and learn more about what you are doing with this podcast and it's almost like it's really cool how um, technology has the ability to connect us so I want to say thank you for being here um, 
why don't you, if I shut up now, you could start telling me why in the world, how in the world did you go from Evansville, Indiana to where you are to the Heartbroken Podcast and all that fun stuff? Yeah, tell yeah. us about yourself. Um, well, I did, yeah, I started in radio in Indiana, Evansville, and I, you know, went to college there and just honestly needed a part-time job. And so I ended up lucky enough working for the radio stations in town and kind of worked my way up. So I did like, you know, promotion stuff, which led to like board hopping to weekends to uh, doing nights for three years. And then that led to me going over and doing mornings as like a third mic um, on the Booker and Sarah morning show on Hot 96. And so I kind of was their producer, occasional third mic, but I wanted to do mornings. I wanted my own show, you know, um, I didn't want to just like occasionally talk on the radio. So um, I started looking for jobs and I randomly found, I applied a lot of places and I found a job in Reno, Nevada, which was maybe not my top choice of city to move to, but I knew I would have to move to get to a bigger market. And so I went to Reno, Nevada for two years, which was like how long my contract was. And I knew it was coming to an end. I knew I liked Reno a lot more than I thought I would initially, but I also knew I wanted to keep moving up in my career. So I was really hoping to find um, a job in like a top 20 market. So like, just to give an example, Evansville, Indiana is probably market like 161. Obviously, New York is market one. And so when I left Evansville, I went to Reno, which was market like 120. So I jumped, jumped like 40 markets. So then I found Minneapolis. And at the time, they were market 16. I think now we're like 14. And wow. yeah. yeah, so it was a big jump and really... Like I got, I mean, I got lucky, but also, you know, I did the whole bit where um, I offered to pay for my plane ticket out if they would just interview me because I knew they were getting so many people and they'd been looking for like three months and they had someone on, diff, like someone different on every single day. So I paid and flew myself out because they didn't really have a budget as most people on radio will, will know. And mm-hmm. <laughs> so they liked me. And so they gave me the job like immediately. So it worked out really well. And now I've been here for, ever for like seven years. And um, a couple, maybe two or three years ago, I started a podcast with my buddy, Mike, because it's just like podcasts were getting so big. And it was really kind of us being stupid. We called it too lame for radio, which was (laughs) stuff that we deemed that was too lame to talk about on the radio. (laughs) And yeah, so we kept doing it. But it's, it was really like the people listening to that show were definitely people who were listeners of the morning show I'm on here in Minneapolis, which is the Dave Ryan, the morning show. So I didn't really see potential for growth um, outside of like just people who are avid listeners to our show. And I wanted to possibly do something on a bigger scale. Like, could I figure out, um, you know, something that would get the attention of more people? And so I thought, okay, what are universal things? And I, it's like, you always have to go back to something you know. And mm. the year um, prior, I had had a very public, like, um, kind of breakup. I hadn't talked about the relationship a ton because um, it was, I, I had been married, I got divorced, and then I dated this person kind of quietly because it was after a divorce, and I was kind of honestly embarrassed. And um, then I, when we broke up, it was an awful breakup. And I came in the next day and talked about it, was crying on the air and very open and honest. So I went back to that. I thought, well, that's what I know. I know heartbreak. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, what's more universal than heartbreak? Everyone has experienced heartbreak in some way, shape or form. So I created the Heartbroken Podcast and it's definitely proven to be what I was looking for, which um, is just something that 
people are finding not just in Minneapolis, they're finding it all over. Um, yeah. It's a slow process because in August will be a year. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, that's kind of the long version or maybe short version of my story. That's good. Well, thank you so much. First of all, this is Jonathan. Thank you for yeah. trusting us with that story. And uh, I, I want to say we're, we'll be a year in September. So we're on kind of the same track with you. Oh, for sure. What have you, And I want to get into content stuff around your podcast here in a second, but relative to the science and art of podcasting, what mm-hmm. have you found to be your most viable and constructive way to expand outside of your local market? Well, for me, um, I think I've, well, I've been blessed that I'm on, um, I guess maybe two larger platforms. Almost anyone can be on um, iTunes, which is a great platform because I just figured, and with like such a basic name, like Heartbroken, when people are searching for that. Mm Because when I went through Heartbreak, that's what I did. I went to Google search. I kind of looked for people that had similar heartbreaks to me just trying to find someone to relate to. Right. So I think just having the name is, it just pulls it up like an easy search. And then also because I'm an iHeartRadio station, I'm also on iHeartRadio, which they're really big into podcasting. So it just, there's the easy pull up with the name, um, which yeah. I think is by default just helpful. Um, I did have a built-in audience. Again, I think a lot yep. of people trusted me and and listened that listened to my show. Right. And then um, iHeart itself actually really liked um, my podcast, which is was actually surprising to me because honestly, I love iHeart. I like working for them. But a lot of the time they go with kind of the obvious, we're going to promote the people in New York. We're going to promote the people in LA. Yep. And we even though we're a big market here in Minneapolis, we do kind of get overlooked occasionally. So I was really happy when the guy that they put in charge of podcasting reached out to me, really liked my podcast. And he was like, hey, can you create a couple of like promos or commercials for your podcast? And then they started running those in front of other podcasts on iHeart's network across the country, which really helped. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Well done. Yeah. So you're still in radio at the moment? Oh, yeah. I've, yeah, I've been doing this morning show here for seven years. Okay, good. And then you're podcasting yeah. kind of on the side, a little bit hobby, a little bit maybe some income in, in the future. Yeah, I think in the future, I find that most of my kind of like passion projects mm-hmm. are, n- and I think maybe that's why sometimes they're successful. They're never based on the desire to make money off of yeah, them. They're exactly. always just like, I want to do this. And so if I make money, cool. And if not, that's fine too. Cause I also know my attention span is I like to do something and I like to get my idea out there, but that doesn't mean I'm committing my life to it. Cause my my truest passion is radio and I right. have that as my full-time job that pays my bills. Right. So this, I can like, I'm like, if I get bored with Heartbroken, I can quit anytime, you know? <laughs> so yeah, good, good for you. I have a question for you. Whenever you, you, you know, you've been on radio for a really long time and mm-hmm. I, I have an understanding of what it is that, that you do being in the, the music industry and, and traveling with, and Dr. Carroll uh, knows this too, just from even us talking, but it's it's cutthroat as all get out mm-hmm. radio is. Yeah. I mean, um, how in the world have you, and we can even add on to this question after the fact uh, with the heartbreak too involved, but how in the world do you, did you, have you survived amidst so much competition, I guess? It is. It's definitely competition. Um, definitely some markets are, I think, more cutthroat, just like you said, where you'll notice as a listener, hey, I listened to this person for like a year and a half and then one day they weren't on the radio anymore and you have no explanation. And it's usually because, honestly, they got another job in a better market 
or they got fired because their ratings weren't as high as the company wanted. Um, and it can be like that easy. Like they can be someone that was on the air for many years and then they're just gone and they got fired because your ratings weren't as good as the competition. So um, I think for me, it's been choosing um, what shows I want to be part of, not based solely on um, maybe again, market size only. It was, do I have chemistry with this person before I go take the job? Now, the first job in Reno, I didn't care. I was just trying to get like the morning show. So I honestly don't even, I don't even think I, ha- I oh yeah, the, I, the guy they hired me to work with in Reno, he got fired actually like the Friday before we were supposed to start. Mm. So they put another guy in. So I definitely had no practice of chemistry with this person before I was launched into a show with him. But before coming here to Minneapolis, I listened to their show and I'm like, I could feel myself interjecting like my thoughts and comments and it felt like the same type of sense of humor. So I think it was just A, finding chemistry, which is make or break key to any successful, I mean, show in general, TV show, radio show, whatever it may be. And then um, I think it's always, it's always important to figure out like, what can I do? Maybe this isn't part of my job and maybe I'm not getting paid for it, but what am I offering so that it's really hard for anyone to fire me? Like, That's <laughs> a funny Fallon thought. does Fallon does like all of these different things. So if we fire her, we have to figure out how to cover all of these different things, right? Mm-hmm. right. Um, and I think, honestly, everyone always says, I'm just myself, I'm true to myself, but I genuinely believe that I'm myself. Um, I never have tried to be the girl that laughs at all the guys' jokes on the radio show. I'm a very opinionated, um, strong-willed female, and I'm going to say things that are gross or blunt or maybe offensive, and you're either going to like me or you're not. And yep. um, But I am desperate for you to like me. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I really want you to like me. That's great. Um, but luckily, people have, yeah. Well, your podcast, Heartbroken, uh, uh, it, by my count, you're up to about 47 episodes uh, within mm-hmm. this first uh, nine months or so. Um, yes. So congratulations on that. I noticed in the description you. that you mentioned that sometimes for people who are experiencing difficulty, and in this case, heartbreak, it's easier for us to talk to people that we may not know. Mm-hmm. Say a little bit about that, if you wouldn't mind. Oh, yeah, no problem. I I think it's you're so used to... Um, talking to your friends through any bad relationship and you get to the point where you are afraid to even bring it up to them because you just know they're sick of hearing about Mm -hmm. it. Worn out. Yeah, they are. And they don't want to be, but we've all had that friend that's like, okay, either break up with him or not. I'm so sick of hearing about your tumultuous relationship. And I, you get to a point where it's like, you need to talk to someone. I'm the kind of person I know that I like to talk in circles. I like to like, even when I'm in an argument with my husband, I have, even if he's like, you're right, I still have to get it all out for like the next 20 minutes um, because that's just how my, I, I process. And I think a lot of um, men and women do that. So they are still destroyed on the inside and they want to talk about it, but they don't feel like they have someone to talk to or the people that they do have, to, uh, they're, they're bothering them. So then it just comes and, and I don't know their background. So I have no judgment on them. And so I think they just feel like, and I'm not, and I'm not offering them advice. I'm not cutting them off and saying, oh, I went through something similar. I'm just letting them tell their story and kind of almost like you would with a therapist, again, without me giving the feedback a therapist might give. Yeah, you're the listener. Yeah. Yeah. 
we talk on our podcast a lot about pretty much anything and everything. And uh, among those things is uh, relationships. And of course, part mm. of relationships is the, uh, the endings, the beginnings and the endings. And yes. those are natural. They happen. It is what it is. They're oftentimes not pretty. They, they can be disgusting. And they, of course, leave us with, with grief. What's hard about uh, a lot of people who are in relationships like the ones that you discuss and listen to in your podcast and, and the same with us and people with whom we're talking is that when you are in a relationship that isn't a marriage per se or some mm-hmm. sort of committed relationship that's kind of acknowledged by people in your circle or your community, when that relationship ends, that grief oftentimes doesn't have a chance to breathe because everyone's ready for you to just kind of move on. Oh, Yeah. They're like, like who can I set you up with? <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> you know? yeah, exactly. Like, are you ready? And when it's a spouse, we're a little bit more patient about that. Although I think we're growing less and less so. And people are saying more and more how, you know, people do want to set them up pretty quickly. Well, you know, you're going to get back in the game. You fall off the horse, you got to get on the next one. And it's, it's really different when you've been married for 45 or 50 years to the same person. But when you've been in a relationship with someone for say seven months, and you get ghosted, something really sad happens. You find out that the person's really duplicitous. They have many other relationships. They've lied to their wife whom you didn't even know existed. You know, that kind of breakup is is horrible and tragic mm-hmm. and traumatic. And yet it's not one where people really allow one to breathe through that grief. And yeah. I, so we we call that disenfranchised grief. The grief oh, of okay. someone who doesn't get to really grieve, like the girlfriend of someone who dies. The girlfriend doesn't get to be a part of the family arrangements uh, consultation at a funeral home. The girlfriend doesn't yeah. get to sit with the family. The girlfriend doesn't get to process out with the family, but the girlfriend was as close as anyone would, was. That person yep. doesn't get to grieve publicly, which we call mourning, because they weren't, quote unquote, close enough. So that grief gets disenfranchised, marginalized, pushed to the sides, which makes it so much worse. Mm-hmm. And I wonder I like how that. many That's, of your yeah. I wonder how many of your listeners experience that, and if you have any experience with that yourself or in these interviews that you've had. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. You brought up the one example of like the girlfriend losing a partner because with the podcast, the the focus has definitely been relationships, mm-hmm. but it's been. Um, I've added a few occasional other types of relationships, like like the death of a partner yeah. um, and different things. And one girl I had on recently, her fiance, he's not from this country. And so when he died, mm. it was like he died there. Yeah. And she went there um, to be a part of the funeral. But now it's like she has nothing. Like yeah. she has like a she she didn't even get like his phone. She didn't get like the like anything from that moment. So she has some clothes that are at her house. She has all of these wedding plans to cancel. She mm. doesn't know his family. They don't even speak the same language. And it's just like she has nothing left. You know what I mean? Like, and so it's strange. And then also in the yeah, like you said, in the short, especially in short term relationships, if it's like seven months. A lot can happen in seven months. I think my husband and I said, I love you after like a month or six weeks, sure. you know, and yeah. it's just like, okay, let's move on. But I also think we don't know as people how to comfort people because yeah. we all have our own stuff going on. Right. So we like want to be a good friend and want to be there. But the only thing we know to do is just like, you got to put yourself back out there, you know? So you're just trying to like push them into something else, even if they aren't ready 
because you want to do something to help. You just don't know what it is and you don't have the time to sit there with them every single day and let them just cry to you. Um, so yeah, we've definitely like experienced that on the podcast and I'm sure a mm-hmm. lot of other people have experienced it. And it's just like, they don't even get to grieve. And then you have the other, like you said, with like a bad partner, you, they just yeah. disappear and there's no closure at all. And right. it's even worse. Yeah. I appreciate also, uh, <clears throat> my wife and I have four daughters and uh, my wife's the strongest woman I've ever known. Mm-hmm. And uh, she wants, of course, we all want our girls to be like that too. I, yes. I recognize, and you said yourself that you also are strong and fierce and honest. And uh, mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's really the only way to be. And it's sad that we even have to have this conversation that women, you know, should be allowed to be who they are. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But, um, do you find that the the people, and I think by, these are mostly women. Am I accurate? Yes, okay. You are. Do you find in your conversations with them a growing trend toward uh, frustration with kind of the way men are, generally speaking? And do you have a way of kind of massaging that so that it keeps the conversation from devolving into those kind of cultural cliches of, you know, men are bad and uh, which Nathan and I are men, we think (laughs) some days and (laughs) we agree that we're dumb and make stupid decisions and we're mean and and all that. So we completely agree with it. But do you find yourself kind of wrestling with that, given the fact that you are in fact married to a man and you're in relationship with other men and you're broadcasting to men and women alike all over Mm -hmm. the, the market, what do you find to be the kind of growing um, cultural trajectory when these women are coming to you with these terrible, traumatic stories? And they are. I mean, they are heartbreaking. It's a perfect title. What do you, what yeah. do you find the trajectory being? It's a real, that's a really great question um, because I think, um, and this has nothing to do with men or women, but I think the, the first thing I notice is that you'll hear a story and it's one where they recognize that like as you're listening, you're going, oh my God, yeah. I must sound so stupid. <laughs> oh man, there are so many obvious red flags here. Almost every person I've had in on this podcast, they are lawyers, they are therapists, they mm-hmm. are highly educated, intelligent people. Mm-hmm. So um, it's not like, you know, you want to put in your mind, oh, that person must be super stupid, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> right. So. I always start off with that. I think that that's like the first thing. And then I know I don't I don't feel like I've had anyone in here even through the heartbreak that have any of them have been like men suck. You know what I mean? <laughs> At least not for long. Right? Yeah, they may think I don't it think originally, so. but not for long. I yeah. think most of us are just like we like I love guys too. I want, you know, success for men and women and acceptance for both. And so I don't. Th- I haven't noticed that trend. I've. I definitely think more women have um, been on the podcast because just more women reach out in general, and I think it's because, um, and maybe it is a cultural thing where women seem socially it's more acceptable to express your feelings than it is for men. Even though I think that that is changing too, which I think is wonderful that men are feeling more comfortable talking about their feelings. Right. But I think that that's why I think women just are more open with sharing their feelings. And maybe, and I don't know this, maybe there more women feel like they need to talk about it to get it off their chest. 
Um, Because I definitely had men on and they definitely needed it. And they definitely were going through the exact same things. And the women in their relationships were just as awful as the men and the other, you know, in the relationships with the women. So, um, or I've had like um, uh, two, I've had um, many um, same-sex couples, marriages on as well. And so, yeah, I don't, I haven't noticed too much of a trend with that, fortunately, where it's like, oh, all these guys are jerks or anything like that. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing, I think. I think so. It de- definitely demonstrates a certain kind of maturity. Um, yes. Rather than the sweeping generalizations that do tend to discount an entire, you know, half, 50% or, or more of the population. It's Just like when you exactly read a story helpful. about someone being an awful person, we assume the majority of people are good. You yeah. know, I don't yeah. assume everyone's bad. So right. it's the same That's thing. Right. Yeah. And talk in relationship chemistry. And another thing that that happens too and and this isn't always the case, especially in abusive relationships where, you know, we really do need to focus kind of on the the abuser and those abusive mm-hmm. and narcissistic tendencies. But in in a lot, I would say in the lion's share of relationships, maybe not those who are, are featured in on your show, but the lion's share of relationships, everybody contributes to the relationship dynamic in an important way. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's that, for instance, a woman takes a man's crap for too long. That may be her right. contribution. She allows herself to be put in situations of uh, of maybe emotional abuse for too long. But in, in some way or other, I think we all make contributions to the victories as well as the downfalls in our relationships. And mm-hmm. I find that blaming tends to shut down the emotionality between us so that we're not really ever able to go anywhere. I think that's important too, don't you, in the grieving process that we recognize, you know what, I had my part in this too. I want to own that. And at the same time, recognize here are the facts of the situation. Again, outside of abuse, because that that, there's no excuse ever for that. It may have a function, but there's no excuse. But in terms of typical relationship dynamics, recognizing that we all make contributions to the breakup can lead to us making sure we don't reiterate those patterns in future relationships. Yeah, I think that um, agreed with like outside of the abuse um, that a lot of the people on have been, for the most part, there were, I would say a few situations, um, maybe not, but for them, I'd say 90% of them have acknowledged, okay, here's where I should have recognized what was going wrong. Or here's where I was feeding in and allowing that person to do these awful things. Yeah. Um, like obvious red flags that they were allowing them to get away with. Like a recent one, this just is coming to me because it's recent, where he would just not come home multiple nights and she was just like, oh, I'm sure he's just hanging out with a friend late. <laughs> You know, and then she's like later like, no, I probably, you know, I did. She's like, I. she was so set on not being the quote unquote crazy girlfriend or crazy fiance that she would never go check in on him. And I'm like, well, first of all, you're a lot stronger than I am because I would have been circle on that block. (laughs) No kidding. Uh, No kidding. I'm checking phone bills right now. I would have been making a scene in front of all the friends and family. So, um, but I definitely agree. And I think most of them will take some blame. Um for sure. And you have to, even in like, even in my relationship that ended up being horrible, um, because I, I, there were so many red flags. That I go back and I'm like, I should have ended that like three weeks yep. in because this person was obvious. And then I allowed it to be this toxic circle. And then when I did finally cut it off, 
it was like the black cloud removed itself from my life. Conveniently, my life wasn't horrible anymore uh, because I finally was just like, nope, I need to be done with that. So totally agree with that, yeah. that we all do contribute. Um, and then and then there are some words like they, like this one woman, um, her husband just was like, I don't want to be married anymore. And she never really knew the truth. Um, he never really gave her closure. And they were in a what seemed like a really healthy relationship. He didn't go off and cheat on her. There was It was nothing like that. Mm-hmm. So she kind of had to sit around and think, what did I do wrong? And And she's like, maybe I wasn't putting enough effort in physically. Maybe, uh, and, and so I think that one, that one was really hurtful and hard to hear because she didn't even know what to take her, she didn't even know what her side of the blame was in it. <laughs> like right. she tried really hard to like blame herself too, you know? Yeah, yeah. And now she's gonna carry that with her in the next relationship potentially and be like, okay, am I good enough? Am I doing things exactly. wrong? And then just totally be butchering herself. Yep, mm-hmm. shaming herself. You mentioned something earlier that was really uh, true for me. You said that women have a tendency to to talk about their feelings more so, hence probably more women coming and sharing their stories. I know mm-hmm. I do as a, as a man have a very tough time with anything, you know, uh, being a business owner and talking about, the grieves, the grieves, grievances rather of business ownership or even my relationship. But this whole, I think you're doing a really incredible thing, you know, getting these people to come and talk to you one on one, even if the masses of thousands upon thousands of people are still listening uh, after the fact to be able to kind of just like let it out because, you know, being an advocate for. Uh, mental health and taking care of, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, s- seeing a therapist myself, there's something uh, uh, relieving of that. So, um, do, I, I guess I just commend you. I guess all that to say, it's commendable oh, for you. you to be able to have these, you know, like you said, intelligent, intellectual uh, human beings, mostly women, coming in and just you know sharing their hearts and mm-hmm. actually connecting with absolutely so many people. It's pretty pretty cool. And I yeah, noticed thank you. too that you do bring an awareness uh, to certain types of personalities that are out there that that women can encounter that they need to be uh, aware of, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is really really helpful. So kudos to you. You're doing a a beautiful job. Thank you. That means a lot. I'm I'm thankful that so many people. When I started, you know, it's so different. It's like when you're doing a podcast with just yourself, it's easy to like. Okay, I I know I can definitely be there every week. Um, and then having people share the most intimate story or of their life. Yeah. Um, first time with a microphone stuck in their face and they're sharing yeah. this very personal thing. <laughs> I've been really lucky to have so many people just willing to share that and the lessons they've learned to hopefully help other people. It's always, it's a mix of helping themselves, like, you know, like a therapeutic, like this is kind of therapy getting it out, but also it's them trying to help someone else, which is very selfless and kind and um, put, and just being very vulnerable. Mm. That's what we're put here to do. I yep. mean, I, yes. I genuinely believe that. Love, serve, and help others. It does not matter uh, who you are, where you come from. I think this world needs that, truly does. We leave a mark, good or bad, we will be remembered for something. It's pretty cool, Fallon, to be so young and to be leaving the mark that you are leaving. I mean, I bet that uh, maybe helps. I hope. I think it would. You put your two feet on the floor every morning and know that, you know, you're really making a difference. That's pretty cool. Thank you. That's very like that's very kind. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. 
Fallon, as we round out our episode, we wondered if we mm-hmm. could ask you a couple of rapid fire questions and you just answer <laughs> mm-hmm. with the yeah. first thing that comes to your mind. Oh gosh. Okay. Yes. I, let's try <laughs> and we it. Can, and we can censor you if need be. So <laughs> that's just, oh, right. Okay. Good. Yeah. We've good. got a I great bleeper. Yeah. Vulgar. So good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. First of all, what's one thing about yourself that you would like for the world to know? Um, that, oh gosh. Oh, the one thing. Um, Oh my gosh! This is rapid fire. I'm supposed to be faster about this. It's okay. This. Some some okay. model guns are much older. They take a little time. It's okay. <laughs> That's me. I'm like putting the powder in right now. I'm pushing it up. Okay. <laughs> That's right. Um, for me, I think it's that um, I am a person with feelings, and I think like <laughs> so sometimes you know I'll I'm never I'm not scripted. So I think like I say things sometimes, and I hope that like. I guess I would hope that people would know that genuinely deep down I am a good person who sometimes um, makes mistakes like everyone else. Because like I do radio, so like that's the majority of people knowing me is on yeah. that and I'm not scripted. So things are going to come out sometimes that maybe I'm not proud of and I go back, I'm like, eh, that, I shouldn't have said that. But yeah, also you- I wasn't, I just... Spoke without thinking, probably. You check your inbox and you're like, oh, dang it. Oops. Sorry yeah. about yeah. that. Yeah. What did I Hate say today? Mail. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's okay. Yeah. But okay. I do have feelings. So, Good and I stuff. usually will listen to the other side of the story. If you don't attack me, <laughs> yeah. that's, a, that's a good quality to have. Your next podcast, yeah. Fallon has feelings. <laughs> yes, I know. No kidding. It's just hey, me that's crying. Good. <laughs> I have I have a question for you. Okay. okay, what do you think, Fallon, is the most important value in a relationship? Um, the most important value in a relationship, I think, is just has to be honesty, which is uh, seems obvious. Um, but you'd be surprised. The, <laughs> Yeah, I know. And I don't mean that in like the most generic way of like, oh, we shouldn't be out sneaking around behind their back. I think just being honest with how you feel about something. I've been known to let something build up and then I make it into a much bigger thing that it needs to be. I internalize something that wasn't even there. But if I've just been honest, like, hey, it bothered me when you said that or when you did that, it would have been resolved much faster. And plus the honesty just builds this trust and then you have a true genuine partnership. Lovely. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Do you believe in love at first sight? Ooh. No. Do you believe in soulmates? I believe soulmates? in lust. Uh, oh. oh, yeah. I believe I mean, in lust. Yeah. That's another good podcast title. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, soulmates, yes. But I also believe that you can have more than one soulmate, I think. Right, yes. Right, especially with people who do experience breakups or the death of a spouse. We, one would have to believe that, wouldn't one? Yeah. Good. I have one to round this 78th episode up. I have to ask you, being in radio, who is your favorite right now artist, band that you are uh, playing, listening to? I noticed that you had just interviewed uh, Billie Eilish, correct, recently? Yes. I saw the photo of you all. That was a good photo. She's yeah, killing oh, thank it. You. She is. She's fantastic. But randomly, my favorite artist is actually probably right now Casey Musgraves. I oh, yeah. I'm not a huge country person, but she, I, ever since her like last song that did very well came out, the moment it came out, I'm like, this is going to win a Grammy. This is phenomenal. So maybe her, I don't know her personally. I've never interviewed her or even met her, but musically, I love her and I would look for more music. If you want like top 40, I don't know. Um, Ed Sheeran's my favorite artist, um, top 40, because of meeting him. Not because I like his music better than Camila Cabello's or Ariana's because I probably like their music better but as a person, him. Good stuff. That is awesome. 
This, uh, this is You'll Die Trying. This is episode number 78, and we have had the privilege of having Fallon uh, on our podcast. Fallon, who is the host of Heartbroken uh, with Fallon, a podcast that we definitely encourage you to, uh, to go check out, subscribe uh, to, and listen to, and experience your own relationship stories and history through the stories of those who are vulnerable enough to share publicly and uh, hear the wisdom of what it means to sit in a comfortable space uh, with your grief and to befriend it and figure out where you want to go from there. Uh, Fallon, we cannot thank you enough for being with us. Oh, thank you for having me. I like you guys have been, I, I needed, I take note from you because some of your questions were just so well thought out and genuine. And I just, as someone who inter- interviews people, you get like stuck in a rut sometimes like, oh, I don't want to ask the same question. I thought you guys were fantastic. So I'm very honored you had me on your podcast. That's lovely. Well, the honor is, is all ours. Absolutely, it is. I am Jonathan. I am Nathan. And this is Fallon on the other end. Say, hey, Fallon. Hi, Fallon. <laughs> I'm here <laughs> on the other end. <laughs> this is You'll Die Trying. Thanks for listening. 